The Behemoth Brewing Company presents the Department of Conversation with Pat Brittenden. Behemoth, give me something hoppy. Welcome back again to another edition of the Department of Conversation with me, Pat Brittenden. The Department of Conversation is presented to you by the Behemoth Brewing Company. Yes, Behemoth have come on board to sponsor the podcast. Um, A lot of exciting ventures happening with Behemoth at the moment and uh, some collaborations, which we'll talk to you about in the forthcoming weeks. But right now, this is a really cool way this sort of happens, right? We get a sponsor, you support the sponsor, everybody happy. So if you like what you're hearing, you like the podcast, go check out Behemoth, buy some of their product, that in turn supports us, everybody's happy. If you're a beer drinker, why wouldn't you? Behemoth. It's a great brand. Hey, um, thanks for coming back and joining us again. It's been another interesting uh, week, as you are aware of. And actually, in this podcast, if you haven't seen the podcast, if you're listening to the podcast, head to the um, Facebook page and have a look at the video of the podcast and you'll see. Because as you're probably aware, if you're not, if you're joining us for the first time, if you are joining us for the first time, can you consider subscribing? I've never really said this like this, but I did some stats the other day. And we find that about... 96.5% 96.5% of people who interact with us, either on Facebook, YouTube, or uh, audio, aren't actually subscribed to us. So we get, a, we, you know, we get a good number of views and listens, but it would be great that if you are someone who is listening to us or watching us, enjoying us, subscribe. It, it helps everything. It helps you know when good guests and stuff are coming up and good podcasts, which, which are all of them, obviously. But it also it helps us because the more subscribers we have, the, the more benefits we get from various stages in places like uh, iTunes and uh especially YouTube as well. So yeah, consider subscribing. That'd be lovely, maybe. Um, uh, uh, Anyway, if you're not a first-time listener, uh, then you will be aware that uh, there's a new puppy in the house. And what I was going to say is uh, the puppy, uh, Nala is her name, makes a bit of an appearance in in this podcast because Oscar gets interrupted by his dog and then we have a chat about dogs. And there's video footage of Nala in the video podcast. That's the long-winded thing I'm trying to actually get across to you. Um, so speaking of Oscar, our guest today is Oscar Kitely. Oscar Kitely, M-N-Z-M. is a Samoan-born actor, television presenter, writer, journalist, director, and comedian. Of course, he is very, very well known for things like Sione's Wedding and for uh, Brotown. Uh, but Oscar Kitely has recently become a director, where he's directed the documentary on the uh, entertainment group, hip-hop artist group, Dawn Raid. In cinemas now, if you listen to this at the time of recording, Dawn Raid, you should really check it out. I'm going to probably check it out this weekend. Uh, so I got a, a chance to spend about an hour with the lovely Oscar Kitely. And we are live with Oscar Kitely. Uh, Oscar Kitely, good morning and thanks for joining us today in the Department of Conversation. Oh, good morning. Lovely to be here in this department. Yeah. <laughs> I see we're both rocking the caps. What are you? Your Boston Red Sox here? Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, I, I can't say I'm a, I'm a supporter. To me, I kind of appropriate these caps because New Zealand doesn't have any new era hats. So I kind of think B means brown. <laughs> well, what's mine? I've got, I've got, I've got my LA cap on this morning. So. Yeah. And well, I see. I, I love cities and and. Um, I like ripping new era hats. I, I wish New Zealand had them. Well, yeah. Like yeah, well, they do, but they're kind of a bit naff, aren't they? I mean, like I, yeah, I, I follow the, I follow several teams all over the world, and the, the kind of I've got a fat old head, um, seven and seven eighths, but I go for the skull caps and the fitted caps. But I typically go to Amazon or uh, somewhere like that and just buy them off there. How are you finding the delay with shipping 
thanks to COVID, because I normally get my hats online, but uh, I'm just worried about months. What what are you, what are you finding? Uh, it's not uh, well. I haven't, to be honest with you, I haven't ordered hats for a while. I've probably got about ten or twelve of them. I mean, I've actually. Hang on, I'll just move my thing. They literally, it's quite funny because they're. I have them in every room in the house. You know, that was just sitting on <laughs> sitting on my desk over there. There's some on the wall over there. If you, I work upstairs. This so my studio is in my house. I work upstairs at the yeah. dining room table. There's like two sitting over there. There's two in my bedroom. Because I kind of feel wherever I go, I can just pick one up and put one on. Because I've got, I mean, yeah. my, I, haven't got, I haven't got bad hair, but I don't do my hair very much. So someone yeah. knock, someone knocks on my door and I go, oh shit, I better, you know, this is more presentable than going out there with yeah. the terrible hair. Yeah. So they're, I, they're I, all over I'm, my house. I'm lucky because I've got no hair at the moment. <laughs> uh, and I probably won't have any for uh, until I die. But I find that's really good for hats. Ah, Kind of gives it. Yeah. I was going to say, good, good suction, does it? Does it attach well? It gives a real, just real fitted styles. So I'm, I'm seven and five eighths, um, and I find without that pesky hair to kind of get in the way, um, I quite like it. Yeah. yeah. The other place I've been before is I think, they, and this is they're no sponsor or anything. I think they're called Culture Kings, maybe with a Z oh, yeah. on the end. They're they're based in Australia, but they've got a New Zealand outlet what i typically do is i go in like everyone does on the internet these days i find it's something that i like and i go oh shit that's cool i like you know that that was the uh, tampa bay or over there i can see the arizona diamondbacks or whatever and then i do a bit of a google and a couple of times when i've been buying off amazon i have just like a guide to how to buy baseball caps um i've found that there's been like a clearance special at culture kings and rather than paying 90 bucks to bring them across from the states i've paid 30 bucks of Culture King, so that's what I kind of do. But I haven't. But to, to answer your question about delays, I haven't really bought any caps in probably, probably since COVID started. Actually, oh, so so Culture Kings send their hats from Aussie. They, I think they, so. They, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Should we give them a free plug? We're kind of already doing that. No, no, no that's all right. I the the I always struggle with um, buying these hats in shops because in America they're cheap and. In Australia and New Zealand, the, I mean, there's a store in High Street in Auckland that sells these for I think 110 bucks, which is just insane, because you can buy three of those for that much online, or if you were to walk into a Lids. Yeah, yeah, no, I think we do that a little bit over here. Unfortunately, that there's the first is there's exchange, then there's the distance, then there's the exclusivity. Kind of brings me back to, but brings to one of the reasons we've got you on is the Dawn Raid documentary. Um, when I come back to Auckland, I, I grew up uh, in Hillsborough, uh, which is like one suburb beside Mangere. Uh, like Mangere, one side of the bridge, Hillsborough, the other side of the bridge. So I spent quite a lot of time down that neck of the woods, played a lot of basketball, and that's a lot of the places I went, down through Otara and Mangere sort of thing. But the um, the Mangere Shopping Centre, uh, there are a couple of pretty dope stores in there. Where actually, I, bought, mm. I think I bought this top from it. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm hard to fit. I'm not the smallest of guys in the world. So I love going shopping in places like uh, Mangere, where my my sizing seems to be on the middle of the rack rather than the far end. Um, and they've yeah. got hats that fit, you know, big fat heads like heads like mine and stuff. So that kind of yeah. culture of, I mean, not culture as in my culture, but the culture of South Auckland Mangere Dawn Raid has been a part of my upbringing and certainly the hip hop scene. I mean, the first album I ever bought was licensed to L by the Beastie Boys. Um, and wow. from there on in, I've still got, um, and I talked about this a few times, I've still got NWA's original album that I bought at Sounds Queen Street uh, wow. as, an, as an American import. And I've still still Amazing. got the album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, wow. so, so whilst I look like a fucking, you know, 
a, a graying leprechaun out of Ireland with this ginger beard. It's like this the story of hip hop and the story of hip hop in New Zealand and the story of Margaret in South Auckland is kind of a part of my upbringing because it's it was my it was where, where I hung out. It was where I spent a lot of time. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, um, I, I I I try and kind of tell people about the movie is even if you've never been to South Auckland or don't like hip hop, even just as a New Zealander. This is part of our story, part of our history, part of our culture. Um, you know, and there's a South Auckland in every corner of the country, <laughs> you know, and I reckon even New Zealand could almost be the South Auckland of the world. Uh, <laughs> way at the bottom, uh, more islanders than anyone else. Um, you know, I think our culture down here, we, we're, we're pretty reserved people. We're not showy. Um, and yeah, I think, uh, I, so I, I think, I think New Zealanders love stories about people from small neighborhoods that kind of punch above their weight. I think, I think that seems to be part of our national psyche that we, that we connect with. So I think people love stories like that here. You know, it's the whole, who's that guy that was meant to have invented flying before? Like on a farm in Manawatu or something. Oh, geez, the name just jumps um, out of my head. Richard Pierce. Yeah. Um, so there's lots of stories like that. Um, you know, of we're 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 like the little country that could. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's the it's the number eight wire and four by two mentality. Often people say, you know, one of the there's not many differences necessarily between Australia and New Zealand when you look from the outside in. But one thing people have identified is that. The founding of this country, I guess, in its modern context, uh, obviously when Europeans turned up, was based on sort of frontiersmen and people looking for adventure. Whereas the founding of Australia in its European you know, arrival days was kind of based on, you know, not, not. I mean, I don't want to say it was based on criminals because, you know, you stole a loaf of bread to feed your family and they freaking sent you to Sydney. But, you know, it was, was based on people not wanting to be there. Whereas people here yeah. was based on people coming for adventure. And that seems to follow through with sort of what you're talking about. It's like punching above our weight, four by two mentality. Mm. You know, what are they so making a silk purse out of a sow's ear or whatever the saying is? Yeah, and I guess especially if you look at the settlers from Britain that, that came here, is it true that, that they were escaping a class war, right? Mm. And um, I think historically one of the appeals was the chance to come here and reinvent yourself anew and kind of carve a life for yourself. I just wish they hadn't oppressed the Tangata Whenua so hard when they came so that they they kind of came here looking for adventure and kind of uh, put that adventure <laughs> at the expense of, uh, of the people that were living here at the time. 100%. I mean, it's the... the... <sighs> It's hard to say, but compared to many countries, New Zealand seemed to do better because it wasn't like turn up and just obliterate the the the, the quote unquote natives. But still, you know, I wish we could have found this dream where, you know, a, a new group of people could have been welcomed to a new country and lived alongside and lived with, rather than bring fucking hedgehogs to New Zealand because they wanted their backyards to look like their backyards in Suffolk. I know, I know, I know, I know. That freaking acclimatization society, uh, they've got a lot to answer for. I was in Invercargill a couple of years ago and I was at the site where rabbits were released in New yeah. Zealand for the first time. And we all know how terribly that went after that. But um, 
apparently it was a big hoo-ha and there was uh, all the hoi polloi were there and all the elite and there was only one dissenting voice, apparently the Scotsman. Um, and I think his name was Jock, someone told me. Um, and But he was standing there going, this will end in tears. Yeah. I wouldn't do it. Um, and he was right. And he was right. People often play that silly game. You know, if you had a time machine, what would you do? Where would you go? And I've always said, I'd love to come back to exactly where I am now, um, but about 500 years ago. So you could experience this country without the uh, mammalian, that's probably the wrong word, mammals being being brought over and sort of decimating what was obviously a Garden of Eden, bird life type place. It would be would have been fascinating to see. And we've got a pretty cool place here in Dunedin called Orokanui. It's a sanctuary. And yeah. they're, and then they're all oh, over the yeah. place. Like like Tiri Tiri Matangi. You know, they're trying to yeah. repopulate with native bird life and lizards Beautiful. and that. And it's it's cool. And I, I just hope those sanctuaries can go a bit wider, a bit wider, a bit wider, a bit wider. Then who knows? Maybe we'll, we'll get back what we've lost in the forthcoming hundreds of years. Hmm. Hey. Yeah, I've heard of that place. I've never been there, but I love that places like that exist. And it's not just the birds that are regenerated, but it's everything else within the e- ecosystem. Um, there's some pretty awesome worms in that place that you mentioned. It's very rare worms, a velvet worm, I think. Someone was telling me one time. I never really thought about that. Yeah. So what goes along with not just the birds, but the, the I mean, obviously there would have been the native things that the birds ate, including things like worms and stuff. They've got a really, they've got a really cool rockery down there as well, which is just all lizards. It's probably the size of, uh, it's not long and rectangular. But if you cut a bus in half and put it beside each other, it's kind of that sort of size. And you just wow. walk around the outside of it, and on a sunny day, there's just hundreds of lizards just sitting on it, bathing in the sun. It's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool spot, That's actually. Beautiful. Our lizards are so cool. We don't give our lizards enough love, man. We've got such a special population of lizards and moths. There's a whole lot of New Zealand stuff that doesn't get um, the love and recognition it needs and protection that it needs. Um, we tend to, you know, there's the rock star causes like Kiwis. Mm. Um, and and that's great. Um, but there's so much other diverse ecology that we have here. And, is, and isn't it interesting that you get so jealous when you hear people like I've, I've got a, a friend who's a tramper. And she was telling me the other day that, you know, on a tramp that she did around the Chatham Islands, like all the way around the outside of, no, not the Chatham, sorry, Stewart Island, all the way around the outside of the Stewart Island, of Stewart Island, it was the, an evening time, they were on the track, and this Kiwi just came up to them, and she managed to catch it on her phone. Comes up to them, sniffs around them, stomps on their feet a bit, you know, there for three or four minutes, and then wanders off. And I just go, you lucky, lucky, lucky thing. Because it is wow. something that's that's like it's tongue. It's you know it's our treasures and stuff, and we don't get to see them enough, especially in wild. And you hear these people who do this. I get that a little bit when I hear about uh, the orcas in the Otago Harbour because it's one of my things. I wanted I wanted experience orcas, and I never have. And people yeah. experience these bits of nature that I haven't, or that many people haven't. And you hear it, and there's a I think a certain kind of person goes, "Oh, you lucky bastard! How can I do that?" And I think part of it is because they are. They are part of the country's treasures, especially thing like the kiwi. I mean, seeing that in, mm. in 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 daylight, in the wild, just going out for a bit of a walk—well, it's more than that—but you know, proper tramp is a pretty pretty amazing experience. 
Yeah, that would be amazing. So was that in Stewart Island, did you say? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she did the full. Apparently, there's a, there's a walk which just around the outside, does the whole loop, and somewhere along that's, the way did it. We should we should all go to Rakiura anyway, um, Stewart Island, but especially for the Kiwis, eh? I think that would be pretty cool. It's on my to-do list. In fact, most Christmases, I've only been in Dunedin for six years or something. It's on my to-do yeah. list. I um, every, every Christmas, I kind of go, oh, Christmas on Stewart Island, Christmas on Stewart Island. And um, I guess with every to-do list, you've got to just bite the bullet and do it. So it's quite expensive to get there. But then again, it's expensive it? to – yeah, the, the ferries and stuff across are quite expensive. Uh, and when you've got, like, three kids to take with you, it, it's it's sometimes it's kind of cheaper to go to Auckland or to, even maybe to get to Sydney than to get there. But but you've got to do it. It's, it's a, if you, I mean, treasure's not cheap, is it? You know, sometimes you've got to pay for it. It's um... – it's crazy, you know, with the COVID reset, you know, and there was a whole, because we lost all our tourists, you know, and we get, I think we had 3 million visitors a year uh, up until it was suddenly cut off and there was a big move towards New Zealanders seeing the country a bit more. And I think there was a really good goodwill on, on everyone's part to do that, but I, I reckon the cost is still proving prohibitive. Um you know, most New Zealanders have never been to Milford Sound. Oh, uh, there's the beauty. There's yeah. a beautiful part of New Zealand. Yeah, I mean, I that's been on my bucket list since I was a child. Since I first came to this country, since I first saw a picture of Milford Sound, and I just thought oh, that looks magical. But you know, most Kiwis. So I reckon if you live in a part of the country that everyone wants to visit, you're very lucky. Like Stewart Island, like parts of Central Otago, like down south. Um, like on the coast, yeah. I think as well, if you've got the uh, confidence to negotiate, and I don't mean like a you know full businessman negotiate, but people are open to it at the moment. We went to, uh, I think it's called Naseby. I think it was Naseby. I forget the name of that little town, but there's a little town that's about an hour and a half up to, it's kind of on the border of Otago and uh, Canterbury because I wanted to do a nighttime uh, star viewing experience. And oh, wow, they're, awesome. they're two thousand feet above sea level. That's how they sell themselves. I think it's Naseby. So I, but the wow. thing is, I basically contacted them and went, "Look, there's there's me and there's four kids and there's another adult, and we yep. want to come up. And you guys are obviously struggling at the moment. We want to support the economy, but we don't have a huge amount of money. Can we meet somewhere in the middle?" And they were like, "Fuck yeah, come on up!" Oh really? Yeah, totally. Of course. I mean, are they going to have an empty an empty star trip that night, or are they going to? And I don't mean being a bastard and being too cheap like if it was normally going to be 300 bucks i think we paid 200 or you know it was that kind of thing make it a bit more affordable for us but make them win as well i think maybe if you're like a, a ferry operator and you're driven by and you're not like an owner operator it's a bit more difficult but a lot of the places you know i've been to a couple of airbnbs during this time and done the same sort of things just said let's uh can you can you do 80 rather than 100 and they've been like yep and it's just i think it works and i think Person to person, that kind of uh, support through this is working. But more difficult person to corporation, like person to Air New Zealand or person to you know the Hyatt Regency or whatever. Yeah, I know. It's um, I love that that still works. And the whole thing about you know when you're looking for a hotel or rather, and you look online and you find those websites and you know like Booking dot com. Um, but then when you go and check in, and they say, God, if you'd rung us directly, we would have given you a cheaper price and they would have got a bigger chunk of it you know because there's less of a commission so uh, nowadays i've started ringing hotels 
<laughs> and instead of just looking at the cheapest like Trivago or whatever and saying, all right, what are you trying my luck that way? But that's really good. I will add that to my list, Naseby. So that's in central Otago, a little town named after a village in in England. I should look it up because I better make sure that I'm giving you the right place as well. Um, uh, it, it sounds like it, man. It's just well, oh, beautiful. Mania Toto, is that quite high up, is it? Uh, it's certainly up that way. Oh, here we go. Let, let's do this. Uh, you'll be able to see this on your screen as well when I bring it up for the punters. Right. Um, uh, a, there's one called uh, Naseby Night Sky Tours. So there you go. I've got it right. Uh, Naseby Night, an educated dark sky experience suitable for anyone eight plus years. A relaxed and informative evening with experienced amateur astronomer Paul Bishop. There you go, Paul. Shout out to Paul. Um, oh, Paul. So he. So you rang Paul. Say again. Did you ring Paul? Yeah, 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 yeah. And and look. I, I think that they're they're open. To, if you're a, if you're a like I say, if you don't have like a corporation or a boss to perhaps answer to, but I do the same thing as you. Like I went somewhere the other week and looked up Trivago, found a place that was a hundred bucks a night, and I know that Trivago takes like twenty five percent. So rather mm. than them getting seventy five percent, you phone them up and you go seventy five dollars. You phone them up and you go, look, I can book you through Trivago. You'd guys get seventy five dollars for it. How about I give you eighty five? I save a little bit, you get a bit more, everybody's happy. And they always go, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Because why wouldn't you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I sound like I'm trying exactly. to rip, rip people off now, but it's actually, it's a win-win, you know? It's a win-win and it's it's kind of, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not skipping technology, but it's using technology to kind of take it back to that um, classic time-old tradition face-to-face interactions with another human yeah yeah you've obviously been pretty busy for the last 12 months or so getting this documentary out though have you had a chance Mm. alongside that to get around new zealand and do any of this sort of you know i I actually when covid was happening i i did it like when we were in lockdown lockdown through that five weeks i did about 50 podcasts during there because of course everyone was home um and we were saying during that time let's you know, get Air New Zealand to go, can't go to France, go to Fakatane. So we were doing that all the way through, um, yeah. kind of pushing for that. Uh, and so then it came out, you know, actively looking to get around New Zealand. Have you have you done or seen anything that you have always wanted to because of this these restrictions? No, not at all. Um, no, I'm really lucky because my job gets me to corners of the country that I, I wouldn't even normally go to. So I, I, I've been busy with work and also with COVID. Anxiety was a big thing for the first few weeks, you know, because no one knew how bad it was going to be. Totally. No one knew whether the All Blacks would ever play again. This, you know, <laughs> no, no one would know whether, we're, you know, just how bad uh, were we entering a, a two-year darkness period for the world. Um, but once that dissipated and and... But it's it's just been work. But I I did a series on Mark Twain about three years ago, and um, that was a really cool show because uh, I was reach. He actually came to New Zealand in 1895. Mark Twain did. I didn't know uh, that. Mark Twain did. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And so he did a, a a speaking tour. So for the show, I got to follow his footsteps where he went, and thankfully that was over. It was through some really beautiful parts of the country. Um, and kind of looking at what New Zealand was like back in 1895, of course, we have no idea in the kind of country that Mark Twain was in. Um, but it's always work and TV projects in particular that gets me to those small corners. And, and, and my 
real world, I, I pretty much stuck at home. Um, and I've got a kid. <laughs> I've, got a two, I've got a nearly two years old. Um, and, you know, at that age, you don't want to be away from them too long. But you can't always take them everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's uh, that's fascinating. Do you... I, I got a chance to um, chat with Russell Howard the other week for a, for an hour, which was oh, lovely. He, he's a lovely guy, isn't he? Oh, he's lovely. Um, and the, the thing that I was excited for him about was because of COVID, you know, he's mm. got to spend a good amount of time in New Zealand, not just the coming and going. And, um, you know, so often I, I you know, um, I used to do a radio show with Petra Bagast and I've known her for quite a long time. In that TV world, it seems like, you know, she's a time of your life. You'd go and you'd film, you'd go out. When you're doing that kind of thing, though, around New Zealand, like following Mark, do you, do you get enough time to kind of get a sense, to kind of get your feet on the ground and kind of go, this is Twizel or whatever it is? You, you, you don't get enough time, but I'll tell you, one day is better than no day. <laughs> um, you know, and a day in Twizel is better than having never visited. Um, so you don't get a sense of the place. You, you don't even get to scratch the surface. You know, all the locals are looking at you like, oh, yeah, you're passing through. Um, but it's a, it's just to just to touch it, just to hang out in Wamaru for a day, and look at their their historic water trail and um, and their steampunk and their steampunk, which is so funny. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> eh? What a random thing, eh? This little this little town, and it's just got this massive steampunk theme to it, with these big wide streets like yeah. it was in Russia. Yeah, you know. It's, um, it's crazy, so no, but yeah, I was I was happy for Russell. Did you know that in the UK they're only just they're introducing a, a hotel quarantine system from Monday? Yeah, it's now what are what are we in February twenty one, and they've only they're only just making people having a hotel scheme. It's like what the hell? Until now, they've been making people isolate for 10 days in their homes which of course they're catching the train they're catching public transport to get to their homes so man russell must have been so happy to be in new zealand uh, and to have escaped the uk i got a chance to see him as well when he came to Dunedin. so i talked to him when he was in isolation and um yeah. then saw his show last week and yeah you can uh, you can hear it you can you can hear the vibe of you guys live in paradise you're so lucky and and to be honest you guys have worked so well with Jacinda to, to give yourselves these breaks. Sorry, I've just got to move a dog. <laughs> That's all right. What kind of dog have you got? Very cute. I don't know what she is. I think she's part... Oh, get up. Oh, sorry. Bear with me. <laughs> You're right, bro. <laughs> I only asked because I got a puppy like three or four weeks ago. And yeah. so, oh, yeah. so part of part of my life at the moment is based around um, uh, sleepless nights, still a little bit, and getting up early uh, to allow <laughs> allow a ten week old puppy to get out the door to do toilet in the morning. <laughs> well, that's great. You're training them. Yeah, yeah, they're fun. Eh? They're fun puppies. Here, I'll show you. Check this out. You look at your screen. Have a look. This is us. Okay. Oh, what is that beautiful dog? Yep, that's the uh, that's the border collie. Her name is Nala, and that's us playing tricks with her out in the backyard. She is mad border and collie. mental, yeah, and she thinks she's big and tough because she can uh, chew and bite squeaky toys. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> what were they were they sheep dogs border collies yeah funnily enough i found i had a border collie when i was growing up when i was a kid so i was quite keen to get one again and um I, because my kids are kind of uh, well, by the end of this year they'll basically be i think 17 15 13 so i wasn't going to get i wasn't going to get a dog that was like the kids dog because I mean, one of them could be gone next year, one of them in three years' time. So I had to get something that I I wanted, basically. And I was always keen for another Border Collie. And I, But I did, never knew this. Uh, they're, they're from the border of, I think it's England and Scotland. That was where they were kind of um, right. originated. And that's why they're called Border Collies. And yeah, they're, they're sheepdogs. They've got a gap between their shoulder blades. And it allows them to get really low to the ground. So their shoulders can do things that other dogs can't. So that's why that when right? you yeah when you see them herding sheep, they almost like run like cats, really low to the ground. So, yeah, that's Nala. She's uh, she's been with us for three weeks and um, lots and lots of fun with ten percent of oh my god, like at like at the moment <laughs> doing podcasts. I've I've got someone puppy sitting because I have to at the moment, or else there'd be a screaming dog upstairs at the moment going, "Where's my dad?" It's all right. Yeah, Get I love there. how dogs so live in the moment. Um, so beautiful. Yeah. So anyway, I thought we were talking about we we're talking. Oh, I wanted to ask you. You yes. you're born Samoa. That's right. I eh? born Samoa. Yes. Came to New Zealand, but what? Because what I was going to say is, you seem the way you're yeah. speaking. You seem to have quite a deep love, a passion for New Zealand. And I'm wondering, from being born in Samoa and coming here, where does that come from? Um, it's just I don't know how you can live here and not have a love for this place um and it's not it's not about because you know the for immigrants from the islands there's there's a there's a narrative of you know that we leave there for a better life which which i, I don't like because i don't think it is a better life <laughs> and if you've ever been to the islands you'll you'll understand what i mean totally um it's a harder life um so the this isn't about me being grateful for the opportunities that I wouldn't have got in Samoa. Um, it's a very different life, but I, I don't know. I just, um, I feel like I kind of won the lottery a little bit. One, I was born in Samoa. Um, and then two got to come here to grow up. Um, and I feel like, you know, Fred Dagg's song, we don't know how lucky we are. As, which is actually brilliant on so many levels. Um, I, you know, I, I just, I believe that I think, and especially now with COVID. Totally. Uh, although, uh, although I do wonder at the moment, like, like my old man, uh, like in, as his generation typically is, is certainly more of a national voter than a Labour voter. And when you hear mm. people like him and of his ilk going, you know, Jacinda's done quite well, maybe just for this one, more of us do realise how lucky we are in this particular instance. Yeah, I think so. I mean, even people that don't like Jacinda or, or don't like or, or aren't Labour supporters or, or even people who thought that the lockdown was a big load of shit, even those people um, stood by the social contract that we have here. Yep. That even if you think it's complete shit, even if you can't stand how the message is being delivered, you will comply because at the end of the day, you know, we do love our neighbours. And we do look out for each other. And I think that was a really cool thing about New Zealand. And I think you saw that reflected in the election result. I yeah. think people <laughs> underestimated how much people loved being healthy 
and free to go to the movie. I mean, we're so lucky to even have a movie out. We're lucky that we have cinemas to go to. That being said, um, I think people, I think cinemas, to do with a bit of help, um, just let, let, letting people know that just because there's no blockbusters, there's so many good movies to watch. Um, and now it's actually good because there's, you know, apart from Wonder Woman, um, there's Eric Banner's new film, The Dry, which looks really good. There's an amazing film called Promising Young Woman that I've heard so much about that I haven't seen that I, I want to go and see. Um, but, you know, we're so, especially in COVID, like this is insane. And, you know, you would have known from talking to Russell, uh, you know, and it's, we've got festivals, we've got, I mean, it's life is normal. It's, it's crazy. And I think, and it's more than, yeah, I, man, I've never been more like, I was, I was talking to an American guy last week that had arrived in the country just before COVID and, and I was like, welcome to the lifeboat. And he said, yeah, he really, he really feels like it, but he's posting and all his people back home are like, what the hell are you doing? What are, you know, like he's feeling bad. I feel like a lot of New Zealanders almost feel bad about our normal sharing day-to-day -day stuff because in the context of what's happening in the world, it, it can seem smug. I had a, so we're I, not being smart. We're just doing all the things that we love yeah. and that we are fortunate to still enjoy. I had a podcast um, a couple of weeks ago with a couple of YouTubers who have just moved to New Zealand. He was he's got a New Zealand father, so he had the right to come here, and his wife Carrie. Oh yeah, I've heard of them. Yeah, Alex the Vagabond and Carrie Rad are their names. And they, I saw a video of theirs the other day where it was his like first couple of days out of isolation and he, and he was in a mall and he's just come from Los Angeles and he was like, I mean, he didn't say it like this, but he was like, this is fucking weird because there's all these people <laughs> in this mall with no masks on. Um, and it's a similar thing. Uh, you talk about Russell Howard. Not to, I know he's still got shows going on, but not to give away his, his set or try to tell someone's joke. But he basically says for all those people who were like, you know, lockdown, fucking waste of time. He goes, click, and he turns on BBC. He goes, do you want that? And if people still complain, he goes, click, and he turns on Fox News. Do you want that? And that would bring the most of New Zealand back into line for you. Okay, we can, we can still go to the cricket. Black Caps are playing in Dunedin in a few weeks. Time. I'm going to be there. Can't. I was watching. I was watching the Super Bowl. Can't do that in other parts of the world like we can here. Yeah, I know you can't go to a pub and just watch it. Mm. Um, you know, speaking of the Black Caps, uh, I, I grew up, I was a schoolboy in the 80s, so during that glorious era for New Zealand cricket, I became a fan. And I'm a little bit sad about it being on Spark. I know um, I know that, you know, it's good for the game and it pump, pumps money, but I don't know. I feel like you're taking. There's a whole lot of eyeballs and homes that don't have cable TV or they mm. don't have access to that. And casual cricket fans, you know, people that become uh, cricket fans by osmosis because it's all around and it's, you know, as opposed to their parents got them into cricket. I was one of those casual cricket fans that grew up just watching cricket and gradually came to love it. So I'm, I guess I'll just have to go to the games. Um, but I don't know. There was because cricket's so long, takes so long. It's there's something nice about having it on on the TV and in your house. So good on you for going to the game. And and I do. I am sad a bit about that. New Zealand that the domestic game isn't on. Um, that you need to buy a subscription yeah. to a telco to get. Yeah, I I I I guess you used to have to buy it to be on 
uh, Sky Sport anyway. But I hear what you're saying because now at the moment I think the rugby is on one and the cricket's on another, which are two of New Zealand's biggest sports, which means most families who can afford something will probably pick one over the other, which is a yeah. which which is a shame. Um, I remember having this conversation when I used to talk back, and people would complain about paying for the rugby on on Sky, Sky but I'd say to them. Before kind of the mid-70s, the only way you'd see an all-black game is to pay for a ticket at the gate. And then we got served up free sport for such a long time, you know, well, from the mid-70s through the early 90s, perhaps. And now it's just Ooh. kind of gone back. I I wonder if this is a big conversation to be had then. I'd, I'd still like to see kind of TVNZ or TVNZ1 go back to a BBC format where there's no yeah. ads. There's, and maybe there is even a, um, what do you call it, when they, they charge people a broadcasting fee. And if we did enough of that kind of stuff, we could be investing in things like putting the rugby and the cricket and you know various arts and various cultural New Zealand things like TVNZ Seven used to carry back on a genuine public broadcaster. Could be a could be a way yeah. to do it. Fund it that way. I'd, I'd chuck in yeah. you know fifty bucks a year broadcasting fee to get free rugby and cricket. Who wouldn't? Yeah, I wonder whether that would even cover it, given how expensive that yeah. shit is now. I mean, you know, there's that deal now with those. Uh, Financial investors in America making a bid for to own fifteen percent of New Zealand rugby, which will inject four hundred million plus into the game. Um, but that feels quite cheap, <laughs> you know, for something. I don't know. It's I don't know. But it, uh, even that, even that, you know, being bought by someone that's a hundred bucks a person in New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, that's that's quite a lot of money. Hey, um, I we I know we haven't got you for a long amount of time, but I I no wanted... no no, it's all good. This is this is fun. I was going to ask you as well about. I mean, you mentioned Wonder Woman, and I'm as as a you know an actor and a director. You may not want to get into the nuts and bolts of the quality of another person's product, but I'm child of the '80s as well. Um, <laughs> did you did you get through it? I, I to be honest, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I really struggled. I felt like it's um, DC maybe trying to mimic a little what Taika did with you know with that kind of silliness within a within a uh within a superhero movie missing the mark and turning the 80s and cut into kind of a i don't know a gauche representation of itself that people from the 80s don't look at and remember and see at all i guess what i'm saying is i didn't enjoy it at all what, what about Man, I'm, I'm interested i'm interested to hear your take i haven't seen it oh um, okay sorry i i I saw the first one and, and, you know, and I was like, wow, that's cool. Um, but it didn't make me want to kind of watch. It, it didn't sink me into the franchise. Um, so I haven't seen it and it's a bit weird, but I think you're a smart guy and your appraisal of that is interesting to me. And Well, well let me just yeah. also add, I'm in love with the first one. Like I've watched yes. it three times. I think the first one is amazing. I think it's a it's a great piece of cinema. I think what they did with her as a character was amazing. Um, when you was, think of that, because they've got they've, they've got that young that guy as a sidekick, eh? In in in, in nineteen eighty four, does that work? The, the the guy that played Captain Kirk, uh, what's his name? Um, I can't remember. Um, anyway, yeah, that guy. I I just think I honestly and and. And I know it sounds a bit arrogant to make it sound like I, I feel like I know what they were trying to do, but it gave me the appearance of them trying to do to try and hit that balance that no one like Tyka has found in Ragnarok, where they cross over the action and the comedy. It feels like they were yeah. trying to do that. So I can't say emulating yeah. him, but just trying to get that comedy action crossover. And it feels like they fucked up both. You know, it feels oh, like that it wasn't really all that funny. 
it was more kind of cringy than funny. And compared to that first one where she was basically, you know, battling a whole army herself, the action felt mm. a little bit staged and not even staged, but but lacking. Put it that way, lacking. Yeah. So yeah. I guess yeah, that's interesting. But um, but look, what I was going to ask you about that is. I think Marvel, or is it Disney, have said for 2021, maybe it's both of them, all of their big pictures are going to be streamed. As um, well as cinema? Yeah, all of them. Everything coming out from this year from some of those big companies is going to be streamed. Simultaneously? Yeah, yeah, same same day. Wow. And I'm wondering, was there any conversation, because I, I haven't seen Dawn Raid, I'd love to see it, like I said to you before we started, you know. You'll um, love it, bro. I see it, you'll love it. I, I, um, I, I don't know them. But I can remember being at the Mangari markets, the Otara markets, um, and various events where their stalls were set up selling the t-shirts, which is kind of how they started. So I remember them being in the in the in the community. Um, but did, was there any conversation about we should stream this? We should, you know, we should put this in the cinemas. How did how did how did you guys come to the conclusion of cinemas were the best? Um, it was it was always the hope, of course, um, to be that it would be a cinema release. Um, that was always the plan. COVID meant that, w- to be honest, the conversation was more worried, like, oh, shit, I hope we can get a release for this, you know, rather than a strategic one about what platform to put it on. Right. Um, so, yeah, I'm just, you know, because you make a, you know, I really feel for Nikki Caro, one of our great filmmakers, she directed Mulan. Um, and that was shot in New Zealand, epic, beautifully shot film um, on all our beautiful scenery. And Disney had to launch it straight to the platform. So we were robbed from seeing it on the big screen. Um, and I'm still a fan of that cinema experience. I, I still think there are no experiences uh, like it, sitting in a dark theatre with a whole bunch of strangers all facing the same way and, and being in the same space. Um, I, 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 I totally get that they're going to have to be a bit more, uh, flexible with that company that you're mentioning. Was it, was it Disney or Warner? I'm just Marvel? looking at it now. This is, this is the headline that I'm reading. I'll piss off. I guess I've got an ad blocker and I'm not going to subscribe. Um, it says, <laughs> well, Marvel movies on Disney plus all Marvel content to stream in 2021. Uh, so that, wow. that includes the Falcon and the Winter Soldier includes Loki, uh, and includes Ms. Marvel as well so they're all going to stream um but i think i'm not going to open it up because it's it's asking me to get rid of my ad block i'm not going to do that i'm pretty sure released in the cinema the same days where it can be um because i look i'm with you i mean like i i like two out of the kind of top 10 favorite films i've ever seen were at the rialto and newmarket and i went and saw them because of actors that were in them and knew nothing about them they just happened to be uh green mile was one of them Wow. Um, what's it? What's it in Gilbert Grape was the other one, and Shawshank Redemption. So I saw those wow. three movies at the cinemas, and I really only went and saw them because, you know, I like I like Tom Hanks, um, you know, I like Morgan Freeman, and I like Johnny Depp, and that was really why I went and saw them. And so there is, I like the experience of the cinema, but I have to tell you at the moment as well, I've got a sixty-five inch screen upstairs, um, yeah. and there's something quite nice about being able to fit it in with my timetable more. You know, it can still be an event when there's people around. We can have dinner in front of it. And I, I, I can see benefits for both. If I can have both, which it looks like with Marvel and Disney will be able to do this year, I, I like to have the, the choice. Maybe some of them I'll go to the big screen. Like if Avengers, um, what was the last one? Was the Endgame? Came out again. That That's a big screen must see. 
right? Um, maybe for, I don't know, maybe for something that's a bit more uh, narrative-driven, yeah, the TV at home is going to be pretty good. Yeah, but even if, like, you look at those films, Green Mile that you just mentioned, Green Mile, Shawshank. Um, Gilbert Grape. And Gilbert, Gilbert Grape especially, you know, they're very talky. Yeah. You know, they're not action. And yet it still works on the 50-foot screen. Yeah, you know what I mean? yeah, yeah, right, you're right. Um, there, there was a thought that oh, if it's whiz bangy action, you know, big screen, but there's no room. But if you look at the old film that people used to watch, it was just two handers in a room, um, you know. And and as wonderful as sixty five, and I totally buy that, and I'm jealous, and I want to come over and watch it <laughs> next time you're in Otaporti. Um, come by, come by, swing it, by. It, it doesn't compare to fifty foot, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I don't care how big your screen is, even if it takes up your whole lounge wall. It's not the same as this big fifty foot. And you know what? To me, I reckon in terms of a lot of filmmakers, well, that was for me anyway. Was because I used to love going to the movies, but I, I used to stay for the credits uh, right to the end as a kid and. I think that was one of the things that kind of first got me was like, wow, look at the credits. Look at all those names. Oh, I'd be awesome to have my Wow, I'd love to see my name up there. Um, and it's because it's on a big 50-foot damn screen. <laughs> and I don't know if um, having it on a – if it was all streaming would have the same magic power. Well, well, let me ask you this. I'm going I'm I'm to I'm I'm play a little bit of the, uh, the Dawn Raid uh, – promo in the background here while you're while you're telling me the answer to this question um so so but about universal yeah i love that spinning globe anyway so. when you're directing so you've made dawn raid and people who are watching they can see it in the image next to you the the promo to it um when you're directing it do you think differently do you kind of go how is this going to look on a 50 inch versus sorry a 50 foot versus how this is going to look on a let's say 50 inch does it make a difference um well, because with this, it was a doco and there was a lot of um, archive stuff and our two main kind of storytellers are, are, are kind of shot in a room like there's Brother D and there's Andy. Um, they're, they're the kind of two main storytellers. And you do think of it differently because you're like, you know, like if you talk to any DOPs, you know, the thing they always get is depth. They want to get is depth and... That does, you know, as a film fan growing up, you just know, you just know that even if it's a doco, which lends itself to more kind of static storytelling. Um, you, I was just excited. I, I don't know if I used to teach it, but I was just excited about making a film and yeah. the fact that it would be in the cinema because this was the first time I got to direct. So. I was just excited as anything about just it coming out and people seeing it and also getting to tell these guys' story because it's amazing. I mean, you grew up in Hborough, um, <laughs> and, you know, you you were near it, of course. Yeah. You, you, you couldn't be in Auckland without being part of it. But that's but that's a thing. Like, I, I this funny thing. I got a call from a 78-year-old Pākehā woman last week. It's hilarious. Um she was trying to text me, but she accidentally rang me. So we ended up having a chat. But she was telling me how much she doesn't even like like hip-hop, and she loved the film. Um, and I think, yeah, I, it's, it is. It's like, fuck, this really happened in our country? Was that, you know? And it's not just the hip-hop music, but it was all the stuff around that and the context and the things that were going on in that time, the way the landscape 
shifted for music so much from in 99 they still had cassettes releases right by right. 2008 cds were gone you know um streaming people weren't paying for music uh in movies you know that was the beginning of it social media was kicking off um in a way they kind of got occupied the last time you could have that kind of record company you know what i mean i think now the landscape's so different and from the from the dawn rain dawn raid stable is anyone still doing particularly well even like financially because obviously savage blew up especially with knocked up and you know music that he got offered to the to to america is anyone still sort of and I'm not saying not continuing to create art because I'm sure they're all still doing music on some level. Are, but are, but but are any of them like you know doing really well and are set up well and or is it all just kind of as happens with New Zealand artists kind of they blow up massively a la stereogram or something and then they just kind of go away and have to go get real normal jobs. I don't know. I think I think I mean Aradna is still making music. Um, at ease, uh, running a performing arts academy and putting all their gifts and music into the next generation, and they're amazing. Um, I was talking to Savage. He signed to Ministry of Sound. Um, and so I'll tell you a, a cool story about Savage is that he, there was a time when he was at a gig and he noticed that, uh, I think it was an EDM gig, and he noticed that no one gave a fuck about the rapper and it was all about the DJ. Right. And so he decided then, it was like, shit, I need to learn this stuff. So, he, you know, he, he asked his mate or someone to teach him DJing for a year and kind of reinvented himself as an EDM DJ. He went to Ministry of Sound and said, you know, I want to come over. And they were like, oh, you're a hip-hop guy. And he says, give me two beats. Give me two beats and I'll see, and I'll see what I can do with them. And you have a listen, and if you like it, you can sign me. And one of those beats was Timmy Trumpets. Timmy Trumpets, an amazing song, eh? Yeah, yeah. So, of course, they heard what Savage did, you know, how he treated it. went, oh, boom. It's nice sometimes. Um, it's nice sometimes seeing artists like, like I like. Yeah. I like seeing Shea Fu DJ as well. You know, when you, you expect to see him in a certain area, but then you see him in a different area, you see him on the wheels. It's a. It's always a cool thing as well. Yeah, it is good because it's you know, whether you rap or do music, it's it's the love of it, a eh, that gets you. It's it's playing records for the first time or it's cassettes, whether it's your siblings or your parents, but just that time, that first time that a song really hits, and it could be weird be aware but the first kind of time that music really gets into your brain um and that powers you off into whatever it is but it's like bob marley said right one good thing about music when it hits you you feel all right it's an amazing i'm so looking forward to seeing it uh, and actually i was just thinking about the cinema i don't think i've i haven't been to the cinema since cinema since pre-lockdown so that's approaching, Bro, go. approaching this, a year this is deep this is deep and you your kids are 17 15 and 13 did you say yeah they will be by the end of the year yeah they will love it. This is a film that you, you can take them to. Now, I know I'm doing a big sell here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but seriously, um, you know, for the youngsters, it's a bit of a history lesson. You know, um, even for the young people of the artists themselves, um, you know, Savage's kids are starting to watch videos of him on YouTube going, oh, wow, are you famous, Dad? <laughs> um, so even their own people don't realise the full extent of what went down. And... Um, you know, I reckon even your kids will like it. I'd love, I'd love to hear from you if you do take one of them and see what they think. 
Yeah, I'll, 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 I'm definitely going to go, uh, and, and we'll, yeah, I'll, we'll definitely come back to you on that. Before we let you go, we got to, we got to stop and ask about Brotown because obviously that's yeah. an iconic New Zealand piece of television history. Uh, you know, yeah. I still hear people. There's a suburb in Dunedin called Mornington. I still hear Mornington for life all over the place <laughs> because it's become because become part of our vernacular. Um, I love it. So, I mean, like, I don't want to say something cheesy. I don't, don't like doing kind of interview interviews like, oh, so when's it going to come back? Will we see another season? But it, it is a pretty a pretty amazing thing for a bunch of Kiwi guys to put together and make compared to never seeing anything really like that before in New Zealand. Um, yeah, I don't know. Tell me about Brotown. Is there, is there is that a done deal? Is it done and dusted? Is, I mean, I've still got the DVDs on my shelf. They come out every now and again. You know? Have you? One yeah. five. Have you got all five yep. series? Oh, you're amazing. Um. I don't think it's done and dusted. Also, it wasn't, It wasn't. I mean, it was the Naked Samoans who were behind it, but it was conceived by my friend Elizabeth, a, a Pākehā woman, uh, and she built an amazing studio with animators and all sorts from India and China. So we look good as you know, behind Brotown, but, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a bunch of Kiwi guys. But in answer to your question, it is my fervent hope that it's not done and dusted. Big screen, 50, 50 foot screen? <laughs> So that would be amazing one day. Um, you know, we actually started about 10 years ago, we started writing a, a film script for Brotown and we did about 20 drafts over like two years, Elizabeth and all the other boys who were writing it. And I went to this uh, script comedy guru guy, this guy from LA, who was running workshops, you know, the film commission every now and then brings experts from overseas to come over here and, and, and school local filmmakers. And I asked him, I said, how do you make a, take a local film and make it, you know, global? And he said, you make it as specific as possible to the local culture. All right. And I went home and I looked at our script, and in our script, we've got the boys going to LA to live with the auntie in Compton. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. And we thought, but well, that's what we thought. But we thought, you know what? You can't do a Brotown movie, and then in the third scene, they fly to LA because the people that grew up with Brotown, the New Zealanders that love the show, want to see Morningside, want to see yeah. Aotearoa animated. And so I went home and and said to Elizabeth, I said, Elizabeth, we've got to start again. We just have to. So we threw the script out. Dude. We kind of just cut that off and just went, all right, well, let's try another one. Um, and Elizabeth has been writing for years. Um, anyway, so, it, and that's why I say it's our, it's our fervent hope that it's, that it, it hasn't gone. So and what about what about going the other way? Rather than going from Auckland to the biggest smoke, doing it the other way, going from Auckland to, you know, uh, East Cape. And sending sending the city boys into the into the into the country could be the kind of same yeah, well, way to do something opposite. I think that's we're more likely to go that way um, if we do something. You know, like one of the episodes of uh, that people love from the first series was when we'd go to Kyoto Bay, uh, where Jeff's from, where Jeff's people are from, <laughs> yeah. the kind of East Coast-looking settlement. Um, so we'd definitely look to do more stuff like that. One episode we even went to Wellington. Um, which was hilarious. We got to talk about all the white people with dreads. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, ho hopefully it's back. And 
Watch the space is all I can say, brother. It is interesting to think about the the phrases from there. I still say, like if I'm going, uh, not to bring the tone down, but going to the bathroom or something, I'll still often say, I might be some time. You know, there's the 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 things that the things that come from that that just they get stuck in your head and you don't know where they're from. And what I find with my kids is I'll say something which is a a line from a movie or a line from a TV show or from a song. Like my kids constantly say, "Hey, Dad, hey, Dad." This one time, and I always say at band camp, and they don't <laughs> and they don't know why I say it. And I keep telling them, one day, one day you'll see the movie, the and you'll Pirate, go, ah. Yeah. Oh. Um and, and and it's and, and that happens a lot. Your kids they go, oh, dad, you say that. Yeah, that's where it's from. By the same token, by the same token, and you say this a reference and in reference to someone else's reference, and they get it, and they say they say the rest back to you. It's like beautiful, it's absolute magic when you have those moments. Um, and lastly, only because I just want to acknowledge it. Um, I know it's several years ago and it's gone, but I was, I was thinking, as you were saying, getting your name up on the big screen, man, because you've been there and done that. I mean, Sione's Wedding is still a masterpiece, a great movie, a great laugh. And yeah, I, I, I like the idea of you being up on that big 50 foot just because the stuff you seem to be involved with is quality, is enjoyable, and I want to see it. So I think you should aim to keep getting up on that 50 foot screen as much as you can because it'll it'll be good shit if you do. Cheers, brother. I'm going to. I will. Thank you, my man. Appreciate that. Hey, Oscar, um, you've done the big hard sell <laughs> for Dawn Raid. How much longer is it in the cinemas for, just like if people are listening or watching? At the moment, obviously, well, we're, the start, uh, we're the middle of February when people are listening to this. So how long are we yeah. going to be able to see it in the cinemas for? It's the thing. It, so it was in cinemas January 21. Um, it's, we're in the middle of Feb now. I'm not sure how much longer. I mean... It stays up there as long as people are going to see it. And initially, I thought it was good that there were no blockbusters because I thought, but actually what the blockbusters used to do was bring people to the cinema. Yeah. And then when they were there to see a a Marvel film or whatever, they would go, oh, there's that other film on. And so people aren't in the space to see what's on. So I hope they give it a decent run um, because I think – Everyone who goes to see it loves it. It's just getting people in front of it. It's getting that word in mouth. So I don't know. It it may not be there probably until the end of the... I don't know about these things. I mean, because the thing about movies, it's the cinema owner takes 70% to the box office. Wow. So it's in their interest to get films that people will come in because, of course, they make all their money with popcorn and bloody $20 ice cream. That's why uh, so many cinema houses uh, take those big ones because they need bums on seats. Yep. So it's up to them, really. It's up to the exhibitors in terms of how long they're going to give something a go. If they like it and they're confident that people, the word of mouth will get around, I hope that it will last at least till the end of the month. But who knows, man? So and do you, you do you have conversations now or previously about once it's out of the cinemas, cinemas what happens next? Or do you have those conversations when it's getting to the end of the cinema run? No, no, pretty much that's the distributors take over from there. um, And they decide what digital platform it's going to go on, if any. The distributors are universal. You saw the spinning globe. Yeah. Just that was exciting to me because I saw (laughs) so many movies as a kid, like, wow, the spinning globe and that piece of brass music, you know, and even the the lion from Metro Golden Mare roaring. That was always an exciting moment to me. 
there's always those little weird bits. Um, so who knows, brother? Um, hopefully it lasts a little bit longer. Hey, well, dude, thanks so much for jumping in and having a chat today. Um, I look forward to the next time you're down here in Otaporti that you swing by and watch something on the 65-inch. The thing about the 65-inch, there's two things about it, is that yeah. my, my old man was down for a week or so, you know, the, more the cricket was on. And he's got, yeah. actually, talking about going to Spark Sport, he doesn't have a smart TV. He's got a, yeah. so he doesn't watch, he watches it on an iPad. This is a man who's followed cricket for 70, 75 years of his life. So he was wow. down here, I had the chair set up, the legs up, he was about six feet back from the 65-inch, just in heaven. Um, yeah. And then I say to my kids, oh, maybe we should look at getting an 80-inch. And they go, how big is that, Dad? And I go over and I add another 15 inches to the corner of the 65-inch, and it basically takes up the whole wall. And they don't say, fuck me, but it's the, it's the kid version of that, of what it is. Of course, I'm not going to buy an 80-inch because they're ridiculously <laughs> expensive. But So there's the two things about about that but I was, was going to say next time you're in town and look what we love to do here in the Department of Conversation is we talk always yep. and talk often so come back don't be a stranger anytime you want to catch up about whatever whether it's uh, catching up with Kiwi on Stewart Island or, or telling us about your next um, project Oscar Kitely uh, when I grow up I want to be just like you we would always love to have you in town awesome brother um, thanks for having me in the DOC <laughs> Uh, and I would love to come back and uh, give a yell after you watch the film. Let me know what you think. And, um, bro, that would be cool to cu- come in again and have another chat with you. Absolutely. All right, dude. Cheers, brother. All right, team, that's us done and dusted. Behemoth Brewing Company presents the Department of Conversation with me, Pat Brittenden. If you want to find out more about us, head to the doc.nz. Uh, find us, uh, DOCNZ, on Facebook. And as I said previously to the podcast, go find us on YouTube and subscribe to us if you'd be so kind, especially if you're enjoying what we do. The thing you don't get in the audio podcast that you do get in the video is often we'll pull clips and stuff out, and the clips will be between sort of three and ten minutes of pertinent parts of the podcast. So even if you get a podcast guest come along and you're like, oh, I like the podcast, but that's not someone I'm going to listen to the whole lot of there might be some gold in that uh, podcast that we've clipped out and put up as video content so it's really worthwhile going along to the youtube channel just look up the department of conversation on youtube or me pat brittenden uh, and you'll find us and uh, then you can get the clips and stuff as well as we go along uh, coming up next in the next podcast is uh, matt powell matt is a wellington-based improviser director and writer with over 20 years experience creating and performing shows uh, matt is doing a show at the moment called the history boy and he's going to be doing the um, fringe festival scene over the next few months so you'll want to know more about him and what he's about he will be on the next podcast thank you once again for joining us thank you for choosing us i know you have a plethora of options out there Uh, we look forward to seeing you next time in the department of conversation brought to you by the behemoth brewing company and uh, stay safe wash your hands hug a loved one uh, watch something on the telly that makes you laugh and uh, until we see you next time my friend